All right, we are live. Welcome everybody to the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast. My name is Jacob Cooker, but my friends call me Cub, and you should too. Welcome everybody. Uh, we are going to be getting into some really cool stuff today on did aliens create the tree of life? And I'm actually going to be looking at this from the point of view of a very esoteric view of the tree of life. Now, this is not what you're used to hearing within the mythologies. So as we get several people joining here, um, I will get into this very, very fully. I'm going to be reading some things from uh, the Seven Tablets of Creation or the Enuma Elish, which is the Anunnaki creation myth. We're going to talk about the Vedic texts within Hinduism. I'm going to look at the book of Genesis. We're literally going to look at this from all angles to try and decipher maybe what it means. So welcome as everyone joins here, um, putting do not disturb on. There we go. Uh, immediately get text messages as soon as I start this. So um, first off, there's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful quote in the Bhagavad Gita, and it talks about... Um, the eternal Bainan tree, that it has its origin above the supreme being or Parabrahman. And so the supreme being, um, the way I understand it personally, is this entity that is all of us. It is literally built up of this massive consciousness. It's all the energetic projections throughout all the possibilities, all the multiverses, all of creations, all possibilities of creations. We are literally the child of that. We as one all people, all entities, all beings are the child of that supreme being. And that's the way I personally understand it. Um, so, and you may understand it differently when we get done reading this, which is totally okay. Uh, but I'm just here to kind of share what I've gathered from it. And I really think today's little episode will help decode a lot of uh, the creation myths for you and for me and really for all of us. Because the more I look into the different creation myths, the more similarities I see between them. And the more I understand that ultimately I believe they're all trying to tell more of an esoteric understanding of how human beings came into existence. Who are our gods? Um, what does this all mean? What are we here for? Blah, blah, blah. All of the good questions, right? All the good questions. Um, I always talk about ask better questions. Um, so, and by the way, some people have reported on the live streams on random platforms. If I do glitch in and out, there's nothing I can do about that. That's kind of the nature of the beast with live. However, the recordings are clean. I do record these and put them up on other platforms. So you can find them over on YouTube, find them on Apple, Spotify, uh, Spotify's new platform. It goes out to all kinds of different, uh, all your favorite podcast, uh, platforms over there as well as the new YouTube podcast platform. So you can check me out on all of those. Everything is linked in my profile, by the way. So you can go click over there. It's cubcooker.com or my stand.store slash cubcooker, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R. So uh, you can go check that out at any point. That's where all my resources are, as well as ways you can support me. As we get into the Bhagavad Gita today, um, this is from uh, section 15, the creation is like a tree created by the powers of Maya. Um, now, I am no expert in the Vedic texts or the Bhagavad Gita, but I do find it fascinating, and I do think it connects with 
the Genesis creation account, as well as the Enuma Elish, the Anunnaki creation myth. And so I wanted to talk about that today. Um, just to jump into scripture, the Supreme Lord Krishna says, they speak of eternal Bainan tree that has its origin above the Supreme Being, Parabrahman, and its branches below in the cosmos, or as I've talked about earlier, the cosmology, the makeup that hides the, uh, the authentic reality, whose leaves are the Vedic hymns. So the Vedic hymns, now one thing I want to look into what the Vedas are. Um, so Veda is Sanskrit for knowledge. It's a collection of poems or hymns composed in archaic Sanskrit. Uh, the Indo-European speaking peoples who lived in the Northwest India during the second millennium BCE. No definite date can be ascribed to the composition of the Vedas, but the period of about 1500 to 1200 BCE is acceptable to most scholars. This is from Britannica.com. So literally just the definition there of what they are, just so everyone knows. And because that, uh, because they are these hymns, kind of these divine scripture um, or inspired scripture, um, I think that that's a really beautiful imagery to think about this tree, um, the, the eternal tree, which I personally, as we've read through Enoch, we've read through Genesis, we've read through the Enuma Elish, and then now I'm talking about this. Um, to me, it's all the same archetype for the tree of life. It is the thing that allows life to operate. The eternal tree of life or the Bionin tree, in my understanding, ultimately is the operating code. It is the roots that grows through all of creation. And, you know, even Jesus talks about uh, you'll know a tree by its fruit. You can basically, you know, where's the fruit? Where's the root? We've talked about that earlier. Um, in some of my earlier podcast episodes, um, and it still goes with saying, you know, what's the root? What's the fruit? Um, ultimately, you know, it's up to you what type of fruit you bear in your life. Um, and I try to continually stay rooted into these more ancient understandings, uh, more of a pure sense of uh, direction when it comes to looking at all of these ancient texts as a whole to try to understand the core essence of what they mean for us today. Uh, rather than buying into one doctrine and dogma, I try to look at everything in, in more of a universal point of view. So um, as we get into this, and I will be taking questions and comments too. So if you have any questions or comments, uh, let me know. Now, my biggest question is, is who created this tree? Was it an alien entity? Was it a physical entity? Um, what does that look like? Um, and what I'm going to read here at the end in Genesis, as well as the Enuma Elish is going to really shed light on it. And I know I've read some from the Enuma Elish, which is the Anunnaki creation myth, um, or the Babylonian creation myth, the seven tablets of creation. And so it deals with kind of that Anunnaki lore. And, uh, we see some characters being birthed in there. Um, but I've also gotten some new data on it to kind of understand a little bit deeper of what it means. And I want to share that here in a little bit. Uh, the Bhagavad Gita goes on to say, uh, one who understands this tree is the knower of the Vedas. So it doesn't say that if you know the Vedas, you know the tree. It says, if you understand the tree, you know the Vedas, like you're, you're a, a pronouncer of the Vedas. Or as Christ or Jesus might have said, you know, then you know the truth. You understand the mysteries. Uh, the mystery of faith, that type of thing. So um, this cosmic tree of Maya or illusion is spread all over the cosmos. The tree is nourished by the three modes or gunas 
of material nature, which is prakti, praktri. Uh, sense pleasures are its sprouts and its roots are ego. And desires stretch below into the human world, causing karmic bondage. Okay. Out of this is literally birthed things like the Matrix movies, um, a lot of the cartoons that we grew up watching with different universes and uh, beings being split into multiples. And, you know, it's literally this operating source code that essentially keeps us trapped in a reincarnation cycle. And if you know my theory on like God of the Old Testament, Yal the Bayoth, that kind of thing, it's not even my theory. It's just. Uh, it's kind of what is around those traditions is especially within the Gnostic belief system that uh, the God of the Old Testament is one of the purveyors of this Maya, this illusion kind of took this illusion and started crafting out of it or uh, leveraged it or maybe even created it. Um, and so like we don't know, we've got a bunch of different um, recommendations on that through different scriptures. But ultimately, if they are entities and they are extraterrestrial entities, then uh, for sure, I think we can easily deduct that, yeah, somehow, some way, these higher intelligent beings, these multidimensional, multiversal entities or extraterrestrials or interterrestrials, uh, interdimensional terrestrials, um, then we might say that, yeah, they created this illusion. And ultimately, the tree of life or the tree of Maya here, uh, this eternal tree, uh, the way I decode it and understand it personally, is that it is the thing that causes the illusion. It is, it's what allows us to be physically animated in the flesh, in the 3D world, and ultimately it's the thing that keeps us in bondage and servitude to this physical incarnation over and over and over and over. The movie Avatar is more truth than fiction. Anna says, or Anne says, yeah, absolutely. And I just watched that new one, the new Avatar movie, and holy, holy moly, it was uh, it was deep, guys. Like, it's called The Way of the Water, uh, I think, if I'm correct on that. I don't always remember the names of some of these uh, movies, but um, it, it really touched me deeply, and I really thought about, like, how we treat each other, how we flow with spirituality and each other. Just really, really, really interesting stuff, so... Um, what's up, Mad Dog Moore, jo uh, Jocelyn, Jessica, um, you know, they tell truths in shows and movies. Yeah, absolutely, Jessica. Um, yeah, and like, I think a lot of people think that it's all just, uh, stuff to distract us in movies and television. And ultimately, I think that there is like a universal law of reciprocity that like, if you give, uh, your full self to authentic spiritual seeking and knowledge and understanding and helping others, uh, then ultimately you have to see that truth in all things. That there's literally that code is embedded in everything. There's a spiritual truth in everything and there's a three-dimensional truth in everything uh, or an illusionary truth in everything. And so people that live in the world have that illusionary truth and that's their their and even we see that even within different religious sects and stuff like that just kind of the idea that there is one way and this is like the right doctrine and i'm not trying to be right guys i just want to experience the authentic reality and ultimately that is going to be a whole lot more fluid than what the world expects us to have some sort of concrete truth and step-by-step -step thing what's up randy how are you my brother uh, welcome, welcome. I didn't even see you there. Uh, Shannon, welcome. Mike Clayton, welcome. Uh, Connect, welcome. Keisha, welcome. We got a lot of people on today, so thank you very much. 
blue eyes. Uh, I don't know if I have blue eyes today or not, but uh, Marlene, how are you, my friend? Jessica says exactly. So, uh, but to me, this kind of tree of Maya or tree of life, and we look at the tree of life in the book of Genesis, and we've been told over and over and over and over and over what it means, right? Uh, well, my, my biggest question is, is like, let's just flip the coin over. Let's just look at Genesis from the point of view that somehow, some way, maybe just for a thought experiment, the tree of life was actually the gnosis of the authentic reality. And it's actually the thing that uh, you would, you know, he says, well, if you eat of that, you will surely, you know, be unalive. Um, and so like this tree of life, you know, he didn't want them to eat of it. Like they ate of the knowledge, right? So the knowledge was like the knowledge of good and evil. But what if the tree of life is like the true gnosis of like, hey, I get how it all works. I understand that Maya tree, that illusionary tree that literally drips down from the Godhead down into the lower realms. And it is the illusionary thing that it keeps us in a reincarnation cycle. And the gnosis of that would actually set us so free that, as Jesus says in the Gospel of Thomas, that seek and you will find when you find you will be disturbed upon being disturbed you will marvel and then you will reign over all and i've had several people recently tell me that like hey what you teach is not comfortable hey i you know i don't agree with what you're saying and that's fine you don't have to agree with me nor did i show up here to be a comfortable easy to digest channel i showed up to be authentic to share with you my deep searching which has not been a comfortable experience in the least and anyone that tells you that spirituality is supposed to be this perfectly balanced, tightrope walk, you know, over fire, uh, but somehow you have angels' wings and it's just beautiful and it's lovely and it's wonderful, they're just outright lying to you guys. Because ultimately, the transmigration of the soul is a balancing act. It is a. It is literally a battle to get out of the 3D construct, and you, every effort is made to keep you here. Ultimately. Um, and even your own belief systems, your own consciousness, your own ego is screaming, don't let me go. Don't, don't, don't. I want to survive. I want to live. I want to be here. But your soul, your spirit is saying, hey, I'm part of one. I want to return. I want to know truth. I want to understand on a deep level. I want to find fulfillment and happiness and joy and peace and abundance and all of these good, good things that come out of the good that the Supreme Being has for us, readily available, easily available, but literally this Maya tree, this tree of life, um, as we see in the book of uh, Genesis, is the thing that is the construct keeping us here. And so, of course, an alien god that is using the tree, or as I'm going to call it, the computer code within the biological computing system of all things in our universe these entities are using that code to keep our minds entrapped, our bodies entrapped, and ultimately our souls entrapped to go back into the game, back into the video game, back into the illusion, back into the matrix, back into the simulation so that we don't remember, wait a minute, we are God. We are part of God. We are the child of the divine father and the divine mother. We are the source. We are so much a part of it. It's when Jesus said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you understand the Vedic texts, if you understand the Bhagavad Gita, you understand what Krishna was saying, you understand what Buddha was saying, you realize that literally what Jesus said 
is out of the same handbook. It's out of the same ideology. It's out of the same deep esoteric yogic understanding that I am one with the Father and the Father is one with me. And by the way, if you're a devotee of me, then you are entering through my door because I've committed my entire life, everything in my ethos to serving the Supreme Being, revealing the Supreme Reality, and helping souls remember that they are part of the one super soul. Yeah, absolutely, Randy. Jesus gives us power to be sons of God. That's why he was such a powerful uh, guru, such a powerful prophet, such a powerful savior, um, such a beautiful, beautiful story. And, uh, you know, obviously he did everything. He gave up everything, including his life. And, uh, you know, I can't say there's many other gurus that I've studied that have done that type of thing for their followers. And, and of course, we can be devotees now of people like uh, Yeshua or Jesus, whatever you want to call him. I don't get too hung up on those names. Um, Krishna, Buddha, like, you know, whatever. Uh, there's people now that are devotees of more modern uh, ones that definitely embody that same exact energy and that are devotees of that entity that jesus or yeshua or buddha or krishna and ultimately like if you think about it we're all connecting and grafting into a vine somewhere along the way on that it's why i believe salvation is for all i believe that we all make it in the end it's just a matter of how long um and that's just what i believe and, and by the way the message of jesus actually the message of jesus not the uh message around him not paul not the Roman church, not the Hebrew mythologies or doctrines or dogmas or belief systems. I have all respect for all of that, by the way, but I'm talking about the authentic words of Jesus. Nothing that he says leads me to believe anything other than reincarnation, transmigration of the soul, um, the yogic practices, the bhakti yoga of love, literally exactly what Jesus practiced if you study that. By the way, if you don't agree with me on that, you literally have not studied it. Like literally... You need to read the Bhagavad Gita. You need to read the Dhammapadas. You need to read uh, anything you can get your hands on with the Vedic text. You need to put all of this together um, because, honestly, people that have done that go, oh, yeah, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Um, if you haven't done it, then it's probably because you're, like, basing your belief system on one line of text or one set of text, which, if you want to, that's totally fine. I have no issue with that. For me, it just wasn't enough anymore. For me, I had too many questions that couldn't be answered within that script. And so I wanted to look at all the scripts to see what kind of the superscript was so that I could understand the nature of reality and myself even more. So uh, when you look for God, you find yourself. And when you look for yourself, you find God. Melanie, absolutely. Boom, you get an award for that. Uh, if I had one to give you, I would. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the stars, by the way. Thank you for the tips over here on uh, TikTok as well. If you're watching on uh, YouTube or listening on the podcast later on and you can give a super thanks over on YouTube or you can give a one-time gift over on the podcast those directly support literally if I get gifts every time I go live I can continue making a full-time living at this there's some other ways you can help support me um, because again I do this full-time I study all the time I meditate pray do everything I can to try to stay in this flow bring you guys fresh episodes twice a day by the way not many people doing that. We're back to the 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Central Standard Time schedule. So I'm just, we're bumping out tons of content. And, and I'm trying to bring fresh content that just really gets you to think outside the box. The, my point here is not to be right. 
not to prove anything to you. It's to get you to open your mind and open your heart, which ultimately opens your consciousness to a much bigger view of what if, what is, what might be, who might I be. Um, ultimately, I want you to ask better questions. And I think that those better questions, if you seek, if you seek, you will truly find. And by the way, you'll find what you seek. If you're seeking a certain manifestation of God, you'll find it. If you're seeking forgiveness, you'll find it. If you're seeking ascension, you'll find it. If you're seeking, seeking an alien God, you'll find it. If you're seeking uh, an unnamed energetic God who is perfect and pure and unified in all things and is the supreme being, then you'll find it. Um, and so ultimately, I think like wherever we're seeking, whatever vibration we're seeking at, we are literally aligning and magnetizing ourselves to that point in time and space because ultimately we're bound by that right now. The only way to escape that is to have the tree of life, the gnosis of the tree of life and understand this tree. And as it says in the Bhagavad Gita here, um, its branches are below in the cosmos. The leaves are the Vedic hymns. So the leaves of this tree, it's almost like we get to be reminded of the truth of this tree through the Vedic hymns. For me, you could replace that through like the Psalms within the Bible. You could replace that uh, with like the ancient Om sound. You could uh, replace that with um, sacred geometry, like whatever you wanted to kind of substitute for your own belief system. Now, again, I'm not Hindu. I don't have any, you know, like I'm not certified to teach this or whatever. Um, and I know you don't have to be. I just want to remind everyone I'm not a pastor or a scholar. I'm a guy who is perpetually curious. I'm an entertainer and an enlightener. And ultimately, enlightenment comes from you. I'm, I'm going to help facilitate some new ideas, hopefully. But ultimately, you are going to take yourself deeper into your own consciousness to decode things, to get your aha moments, get your revelations, your downloads, your wisdom, whatever you call it. Um, Anna says, I love you and your videos. Thank you so much. I've got the allergies going on still. Marilyn says, does our, uh, let's see, does our soul have a choice to reincarnate in order to improve? Yeah, I absolutely think it does. Um, honestly, I think, and this is just my current understanding, this is not a big claim to fame or anything, so I'm sure someone will twist it into that, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I believe that I chose to come here this time around. I believe that somehow, some way, I had been released from the reincarnation cycle and that I chose to come back and help try to enlighten humanity, enlighten myself, help others remember, whatever you want to call it. Um, I am not saying I am on the level of Jesus or Buddha or Krishna or anyone like that. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that I do believe that I'm a star seed. Uh, I know I'm an indigo. Um, I've got some very weird divine feminine, divine masculine energy my whole life. I'm a Pisces. So I'm very much like I reflect others' energy. But I also, I also project kind of my will um, into like the creative process of like, I know what I want and I will like not stop until I get that final product out of my creative endeavors. And so like kind of have like the, the feminine creative side where I love to flow and just enjoy and do it. But ultimately like at the end of the day, like if I'm not happy with it, I'll just keep upgrading it, keep doing it. You guys know this. I mean, I'm always upgrading my art always working on better, um, you know, titles for things, better ideas, honestly, just better ideas, uh, things to get you to think, get you to pull, pull out of whatever you're doing, pattern interrupt, 
stop for a minute for five minutes 10 minutes for an hour whatever you can do that's why i do these i'm putting out like literally two to three hours of content a day a day and ultimately i just want more and more opportunities for people to find what i'm talking about because i'm not here claiming that i know anything nor do i think what i'm talking about today is about understanding each part of it perfectly but understanding that there's an operating code a tree a system even Jesus talked about, I am from the root of this. I am the vine. You are the branches. Like, it's literally all the same language. So, uh, Judas says, I think we're all pieces in a chess game between Enlil and Enki in the battle of yin and yang. Absolutely, Judah. Um, of, you know, the Enki and Enlil mythology is, is absolutely incredible. I literally see Enki or Unki as the uh, archetypal Christ figure in that, the light bearer the luciferian energy in that that's what i see jesus as krishna buddha all of those kind of in the same category of like light bearers in the world um i also see that jesus has a bit of the shiva energy to uh to him and so that's kind of an unpopular opinion um, i am going to do a series on that because i'm actually just now studying a lot about shiva uh but kind of that renewing energy jesus talked a lot about like I came to separate, I came to renew, I came to like set fire to everyone's hearts and minds, like like all of those weird little things that are kind of that Shiva energy and it's not about judgment at all, it's just literally about like renewal and burning karmic cycles, burning through all the BS or the belief systems and renewing with a brand new creation. Like literally all the same kind of imagery and archetypes we have with, with Jesus. Um, Great question, S4. Anything special for the equinox? Um, I will probably, I don't even know when the equinox is. I guess it's now, isn't it? Um, spring equinox. Let me look. Uh, oh, yeah, it's Monday, March 20th, so it's today. So I guess this is my equinox video. Uh, interesting that you mentioned that, and interesting that we're talking about a tree and renewal and cycles and the Vedic hymns being the leaves or the psalms or... Uh, the ancient ohm or the uh, sacred geometry. Again, I like I try to understand this stuff from like a lot of different angles. So um, basically, I read that in the Bhagavad Gita. Now I want to get into the Enuma Elish as well. I'll finish the Bhagavad Gita. By the way, here um, it finishes out by saying, you know, the branches of this cosmic tree of Maya or illusion spread all over the cosmos. The tree is nourished by the three modes or gunas of the material nature. When you get into that, those three modes, by the way, they are ignorance, passion, and the good, okay? So basically, those are the modes that any human being operates out of, the way I understand it, and the way I personally translate it, um, is that at any point in our life or in our incarnation, we are either ignorant of who we are, ignorant of uh, God and the universe and consciousness and others and like all of this, um, and out of that ignorance, we might look for a dogmatic or doctrinal type system to just tell us the way, which might move us into like passion. And passion is kind of that place where we're like really passionate about this version of God. I'm really passionate about this doctrine. I'm really passionate about helping people in this particular way, according to this belief system. Um, and so that passion is like, it's kind of like a better place to be um, than ignorance. Uh, but ultimately that passion still doesn't help us like escape this realm, this 3D realm. And so the other mode is the good. And that's really the place where like 
we get more of that God consciousness. We get more of that Christ, like, hey, we're all one. We are together. We are free. We are loved. We are forgiven. We are holy. We are divine. We are the son or the child of God. And ultimately, that place of good helps us love others. Hey, stop. My dog is licking again, and it drives me nuts. And I'm sure you can hear it on the microphone. Um, Marvell, stop. Back to the two-a-day. I don't know. This never happened on the one-a-day. I guess they didn't care on the one-a-day. They're just like, oh, whatever. He's doing his thing. But when I do two-a-day, it's like they get bored and they want to bug me the whole time. So whatever. I still like doing two-a-day. My apologies about that. Um, and so as we, as I continue and finish this in the, in the long version, as I normally do here, um, these kind of three modes of the material nature, um, they're, you know, the sense pleasures are its sprouts and you've got, uh, sight, sound, taste, hearing, or, or sight, sound, smell, hearing, touch, and the mind. And that's like the, uh, the kind of six sense pleasures, according to, uh, this, this understanding um, its roots are ego and the desires stretch below into the human world so ego again is part of the thing uh, I think a lot of times we view ego as like it is the thing ego is like according to this it's part of the Maya illusion it's part of the constructed reality that we uh, are basically forced into here um, and so we have an ego that literally is holding our soul into our body. Like that's the way I view it. Um, you may have a different view of it or experience of it or whatever, but that's the way I view it is like our soul is kind of the thing within that construct that binds us to our physical form. Um, and then that soul gets reincarnated in other, other entities uh, throughout time, space, whatever. By the way, I don't think reincarnation is linear in time. I think you can be reincarnated to the cradle of civilization you can be reincarnated a million years in the future. Uh, and in fact, multiverse theory says that you're actually incarnated as all things, all times, all possibilities at once. Um, and so that's a whole nother level. We'll get into that. We'll get into oneness and all of that, like on another episode, because that gets so deep and kind of freaky. Like it's kind of like an existential thing that you have to deal with. Um, and I didn't come up with any of this, by the way. This is all, I, I, everything I teach is from source texts. I teach things that are out of Vedic texts. I teach things that are out of you know, Hindu, Buddhist, Christian, Hebrew, uh, Gnostic, everything. All kinds of different uh, mythologies, different belief systems, different traditions and faiths. So, I, again, try to look at the whole. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not coming up with any of this to, like, you know, uh, put anyone into an existential crisis. Though... If you're a true spiritual seeker, I can tell you I've been into about a thousand of them that I can remember in the last 10 years of my life. So um, it's kind of a regular thing as a spiritual, um, you know, astronaut or lightning rod or spiritual seeker or whatever you want to call me. Um, so with that said, you know, this is your ride. Buckle up. Enjoy. Um, and then this gets into how to cut. Uh, the tree of attachment and attain salvation by taking refuge in God. I want to read that, but I'm going to read it tomorrow morning. We're going to talk about how do you begin to deconstruct this tree. So now I'm going to read the seven tablets of the history of creation, according to the Enuma Elish here, um, which um, 
starts out when in the highest heaven was not named. Now, I literally read this this morning, but I got some new data since then, and I always like to update everything. So, and the earth beneath it did not bear a name. And the primeval Apsu who beget them, and Chaos, Tiamat, the mother of them both, their waters were mingled together. So, this is interesting because the way I understand it now is Apsu actually is uh, A-B-Z-U or Abzu, which is Sumerian. And is the name for fresh water from underground aquifers. Okay, so wow. First off, that helps us understand the Enuma Elish a whole lot better because I think it's easy. Here I am in the West and I look at this as Apsu and I go, well, that's obviously a god. And then you look at Chaos, uh, Tiamat, oh, that's obviously a god. But again, if you like really, really look into this, then you understand that these are actually talking about things or concepts. Um, and the way I understand it is that they are literally talking about uh, the waters above and the waters below. So in Mesopotamian religion, Tiamat, uh, and, and it has the Akkadian translation here too, is the primordial goddess of the sea who mated with Abzu, the god of the groundwater to produce younger gods. And so as I understand that, it's literally like heavens above and below. It's like the, the water of the sky and the water of the earth. Um, or it's the water on the earth and the water under the earth or whatever you want to view it as. Uh, but for me, I think it's more of that like waters above, waters below type imagery, which we hear about as you get into some of the more mystery teachings and stuff. Um, but the primeval Apsu who beget them and Chaos Tiamat, the mother of them both, their waters were mingled together. And so um, I think we could easily go to the point of saying this is divine feminine water and divine masculine water as well. Um, and then they mix together. So basically this is like primordial soup. Think about that. That is creating. So I again, I get the, the understanding from this. That we kind of have an esoteric spiritual substratum that comes together and all of a sudden it says when none of the gods had been called into being none bore name there were no destinies ordained there were created the gods in the midst of heaven lamu and lamu were called into being ages increased then anshar and kishar were created and over them long were the days and there came forth Anu their son, Anshar and Anu, and the god Anu. Now remember, there's a lot missing from this. But as we get into this, I am kind of seeing how this is almost like the moment when the construct was born. The matrix code was released. The tree of life sprouted throughout the cosmos. Thank you, dogs, for interrupting the podcast as usual. Um, and so it's like this, to me, it's like that big bang moment. It's that like, you've got these waters mixing together and all of a sudden you have the tree of Maya, you have the tree of life, you have the matrix code, you have the cosmos being birthed and the gods to begin fashioning out of all of this. Because again, the gods to me, by all intents and purposes are physical beings now they are divine because they have more power, more uh, awareness, more consciousness, whatever. 
but as we see, they make a lot of human-like decisions. Um, and so as you hear about fallen angels, even in like the book of Enoch, you can kind of get the sense that somehow, some way, just maybe, we are fallen angels, or at the very least, we are those Nephilim, or the children of the sons of gods, um, that, you know, are we're mortal because we're trapped in an even lower density um, creation, you know, and then they are essentially immortal, yet we know they're not immortal because um, as you read more in the Anunnaki literature, you've got basically they have lifespans it's really 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 long um and for us it looks immortal but it's just a different measurement of time essentially and so you know how does all this work what do the hierarchies look like what is this even tree of life and i want to jump over into genesis 1 7 not to make this a religious show at all but i just want to read this this is from genesis chapter 1 verse 7 and it says, and God said, let there be in the expanse between the waters to separate the waters from the waters. So God made the expanse and separated the waters beneath it from the waters above. And it was so. God called the expanse sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. Now, if you take this literally, I, first off, I think you're going to trip over your own feet the whole time trying to defend the literacy uh, or the literality, whatever you want to call it. That's not a word, but we'll make it up. Uh, the, the literal interpretation. I think you're going to keep tripping over your own shoestrings the whole day long. Um, if you hold this as absolute doctrinal perfect truth that it happened in seven days and all of this stuff, that's fine. But I think you're just honestly limiting your potential for deeper esoteric understanding of this because there's a lot more to it in my opinion. Uh, Brandon says my favorite topic. What is up, my brother? How are you doing? Um, thanks for being here, Jennifer. Welcome, Janet. Uh, we got a lot of people joining on here, so thank you guys. Um, so with that said, you know, for me, I think that obviously there was a separation in the waters. Um, and here's what's interesting this is like basically picking up where the Enuma Elish leaves off. You heard about the waters coming together to create kind of the primordial whatever and then now you have one particular version of elohim which if you go look in the hebrew here uh it says elohim made the expanse and separated the waters beneath it from the waters above and it was so now we know that in the hebrew elohim is often used as a masculine plural and in fact in this version and this verse right here according to strong's 430 it means gods in the plural it is literally elohim masculine plural noun so we can understand from this point of view within the biblical context it easily ties into the enuma elish we understand that the waters came together in that and this is almost picking up at the point after the gods came into existence the Elohim, the gods, now are separating those waters. You guys can go look this up, okay? Do not take my word for it. Go look it up. You can go, I'm, I'm looking at the Strong's Concordance. You can go look up Genesis 1-7 in the Hebrew. You can go look up the Enuma Elish. 
you can look up Abzu on Wikipedia. You can look up the Vedic texts um, in the Encyclopedia Britannica. Everything that I'm using here is publicly available. Uh, most of what I read from is all public domain. It's all source text. I don't try to read any commentaries whatsoever. I try to give my own commentary on the source text. That's basically what my channel is all about. We're going to read the old boring source text. Boring. I don't think it's boring because when you actually look into it, there's like a ton of deep esoteric understanding. Brandon says firmament question mark. So firmament is much different than we think, I think. Um, I think we like to think of it as this literal thing. Um, I think, yes, we are protected by a barrier that keeps us trapped here. I, I do believe that. Um, have we escaped it or escaped to some part of it? I don't know. Maybe yes, possibly no. I don't know. Um, we say we have. It looks like we have. Um, but again, I don't know. I don't know what's beyond that. I don't think beyond that substrate, that substance, that water above, that firmament, I don't think it's like a fishbowl that keeps us from the true reality. I don't think that there's literally angels floating around out there, that type of thing. I think it's all part of the cosmos. And I think that this is basically bubbled into a lower density place here. Um, and I think there's many, many planets like that, by the way. So um, with that said, I'm not, I'm not really a conspiracy theorist on that side, thinking that we live on like this like thing like this with a dome above us. But I do think that somehow we're protected and we're kind of magnetically trapped. And I think that's what we see that looks like the ripples of water up there when rockets go up and stuff. I think it's that, I mean, the way I understand it, and I'm not a scientist, but the way I understand it is it's basically the electromagnetic, uh, the ions, the ionosphere discharging. Now, that is going to act and react a lot like water because there is water vapor up there and so but i also think that that becomes a lot of challenges for us as we escape it because even as we know from a lot of testimonies from uh, like the cosmonauts going up like in i think it was in the 80s or something uh, and they talked about seeing these like 90 foot tall entities out there having hallucinations and even like group hallucinations where they're all seeing the same things but then they can like blink and it's not there like just really really weird stuff and I think that that electromagnetic bubble is kind of the thing that keeps us in lower density. Um, and I don't know that, but I do think that there is some like studies that back up that type of understanding about like, we obviously have protection from a lot of the sun's rays. We obviously have an electromagnetic field around the earth. We obviously have uh, different parts of the sphere above us, uh, the waters above, waters below type thing. Um, and we don't know what was before that. It could have been a great vapor mist above, like we see with some of these other planets. Could have been methane, gas, whatever. Like, we don't know. But but obviously, these mythologies are all talking about, I mean, we're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. Someone knew enough and was given enough information from an Elohim, from a god, a son of God, an angel, whatever you want to call it, an extraterrestrial or interdimensional entity someone was given enough data and information that they understood that somehow there was primordial substances that mixed together, created a flash of creation, gave us everything that we needed for the gods to start making out of. Um, and so that's the way I understand it. Yeah, the Van Allen belt. Maybe that's the bubble. 
Dude, you have an interesting perspective on this. Uh, I love it. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate you, my brother. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you've got the radiation belts out there and all kinds of weird stuff. So, um, I don't understand it. Would I love to go up in one of these rockets? Heck yeah, I would do it in a heartbeat. Like, if somebody gave me the opportunity, I would do it. I would love to see it with my human eyes. I'm sure I'll know a whole lot more mysteries when I'm out outside of this body. And I think we can explore a whole lot more than we think we can, even while we're in this body. But ultimately, yeah, I would go check it out. I would want to go see it. Um, I don't think that all of these conspiratorial theories are as accurate as some people like to think. I think that honestly, nobody knows. Even the people that are exploring all of this firsthand still don't know. They're just going as far as they can, whether it's into space or into the quantum realm or into consciousness or whatever. We still don't know. We, it's still a absolute massive freaking mystery how we're here, why we're here, and what we are. And ultimately, I think all of these things are archetypes to understand on a deeper level who we are, what the construct is that we're dealing with, and how do we look at this tree, track it directly to source, and understand that everything that we experience has been made out of what is, and what is is all that is, and that is the supreme reality with the supreme being, and we are all a part of the super soul, the supreme soul of one. That is how I view it. Ultimately, everything else is a whole lot of fun to explore. It's like playing in a big holographic sandbox. Ultimately, that's the way I look at it in my life personally. I think it's a beautiful way to create in the world, uh, to explore different ideas and ultimately explore who we are. But at the end of the day, what is there really to do then love each other, serve each other as God, knowing that we are the hands of God and we are serving God and ultimately love each other into a place where we can shed off limiting belief systems and ultimately adopt an open heart and an open mind that helps us truly, truly be a better human race together. So uh someone joined at four uh 44 44 on the stream nice loving the numerology there welcome my friend uh no limitations on creation absolutely jenning says pretty much absolutely holden thank you for joining at that beautiful number esther what is up my friend welcome uh mike welcome thanks for joining tammy thanks for joining brandon says mike dropped absolutely i might have to drop it there leave it there um, I'll take a few questions here in a second. Quick ad break. Please, 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 if you want to support what I'm doing beyond the stars and the gifts and the super thanks, um, please, please consider hitting up my website at cubcooker, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com and check out our Mythos patron community. It is an incredible community of like-minded people. We have a live call every single Saturday where we get to literally talk face-to-face with everyone in the community. It's like a Zoom type call. Um, get to talk about things going on in the community. I do a short lesson every Saturday. It's a much more intimate experience than this. You get access to a community of incredible like-minded people. It is like a co-mentor group. Everyone is helping everyone, okay? Um, I'm not there to you know, be some guru for everyone, but really I'm just offering it as a space to say thank you to allow you guys to communicate, interact with each other. Um, and I try to bring as many behind the scenes videos into that group, uh, lessons on the weekends, on, on Saturdays, we do our live calls. 
and just really go deeper on what we're talking about here um, and help you ultimately facilitate a place for you to explore your path, not my path, your path. And that is called the Mythos Patron Community. It is literally only nine bucks a month. It makes every bit of difference to me. If you think it doesn't, I promise you, every single person that joins that warms my heart, empowers what we're doing here, helps me show up every single day as much as I do, and we would love, love, love to have you over there. We've got a bunch of them in the chat already right now, so please consider joining. I would love to welcome you over there. If you join today, I'll add you to the group and welcome you over there personally today. So thank you guys. I love you. And I want to take a few questions here, comments, whatever I can. So um, let's see. The 144,000 refers to the D, to the N, to the A. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so um, this kind of ties into my theory. And it's not really my theory. It's built on a lot of other theories. But that, you know, the Yahweh... Uh, which is written on the DNA. We've always heard that. And like, I always thought that was because, oh, that's the Supreme God. Well, ultimately, why is the Supreme God written on my DNA if my DNA isn't real? Like if this is all a construct anyway, that doesn't make sense. But what would make sense is a signature of the maker God or the Elohim that literally made our planetary, uh, what you would call terraforming, and genetic modification um, that it, as you look in the Enuma Elish, literally it talks about the god Marduk. He says, I will, uh, he takes his own genetic material and then he fashions essentially my interpretation, a new frame. So we're built on a different frame than the gods. Obviously we have a, a shorter lifespan, but ultimately it's, it's a genetic splicing of that Elohim type genetic material just what i get from it but great comment on that it also makes sense why it has the 600 by 60 by 6 um the three strands um and you think about the numerology of that the six the six the six what is that it's the number of a man what man it is man like i think it's the number of the humanity of the physical construct the 3d the flesh the body the ego everything that we're uh, ascending out of like it's literally that political economic and uh the religious construct which you know i have no issue with you making money i have no issue with you uh identifying or aligning with the church i have no issue with you uh having a political uh opinion zero issue with any of that but ultimately when we give ourselves fully over to that we trade our divine light for our three-dimensional construct and we've got to come back we've got to keep going you know, it's that the if we're going to join the super soul, we got to keep burning karma, keep reincarnating. And, and I'm tired. I don't know about y'all. 37 years old. My birthday was yesterday. I'm tired. I don't want to do this again. I hope that I can get my message out this time. Wake up as many souls as possible. And maybe I can find some rest and some repose and some beauty and love and light. And I believe I find that here. But ultimately, um, I think this is kind of the hell that, that a lot of people are afraid of going to, and they don't even realize that they're here now. Um, somebody said, we're starting to live longer again. Yeah, absolutely. And with science, you know, who knows? These Elohim could be us in the future. Literally, it could be us that came back, that everything maybe had been wrapped up, and then it was restarted, and they came back in time. Like, we don't know. I, we have no idea. 
I don't even know if time travel is possible. In fact, I don't even think time is real. So if you're outside of time, then literally you could open up yourself into any time and it wouldn't even be time travel. It would just be incarnating. Like to me, that's like the ultimate time travel is just incarnation at will into any linear. So uh, Janine says, uh, yeah, absolutely, Janine. Absolutely. So it's like, yeah, I don't want to do it again. I love you all. I love myself. I love my friends, my family. Um, but I don't want to do this again. I, I want to live my life to the fullest now, um, experience everything I can, um, try to entertain and enlighten as much as possible and ultimately keep seeking within to find that authentic reality and find true peace when I, when I pass, uh, to the other side and not have to do this again. So the Essenes believed we were capable of becoming an angelic being. Yeah, absolutely. And I fully think we are like, uh, the rainbow light body transmission and practice that, uh, ancient yogis would do. And even I really believe Jesus himself was doing this with the 40 day and 40 night fast, um, getting himself so spiritually heightened that he could prepare to go to the cross, that he could actually survive it or ascend it, depending on how you interpret that. Um, I think it was definitely a very deep spiritual practice. Um, yeah, absolutely. Then they fly away. Absolutely. So, and there's been a ton of reports of this, by the way, there's even some really creepy old video you can find from like, I think it's maybe from the fifties or four, late forties or something like early, early days of film. They show a, a Tibetan yogi doing this and it was kind of terrifying actually. So I don't suggest looking it up, but it is out there somewhere. Um, and it, it's definitely very, very much not what we practice in the West. Um, and so with that, um, I love you all. My phone is about to um, go ahead and fly away because the battery is almost at zero. Um, I used it a lot today, making a lot of videos. Go check out all my shorts. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. I'm on Apple, Spotify, and the new YouTube podcast platform. Everything at a Apple, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R. It's all at cubcooker.com. The dogs are going to play now. Perfect time to end. I love you all. If you join Mythos, I will go let you in today. So if you join today before 10 o'clock tonight, I'll go let you in the group. You can start interacting. I'll welcome you over there. I love you all. I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful day. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the stars, the gifts, the super thanks. And thank you for joining Mythos. I love you guys. I'll see you on the next one. Peace.